Church, if you would, turn in your Bibles, if you brought them this morning, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1 through 4, and the Bible says, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit in the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, and would let him go no more to his father's house. Verse 3, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David at his apparel, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. If you go on down to verse 20, it says, or if you, excuse me, if you go on down to verse 40, it says, And Jonathan gave his weapons unto his lad and said unto him, Go carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another until David exceeded. Verse 42. Go in peace for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of Hashem, saying, Hashem shall be between me and thee and between my seed and and thy seed forever. And verse 30 says, Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said unto him, Thou son of perverse rebellion, do not I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thy own shame, and to the shame of thy mother's nakedness? Uh, New American Standard has an interesting uh, interpretation of verse 30. It says that, that Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said, Thou son of a whore. <laughs> oh, Lord. Here, verse, <clears throat> if we go on, church, to Second Samuel 1, verse 22, we get more perspective on the unique nature of David and Jonathan's relationship. Verse 22 says, of Second Samuel says, from the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, the lovely and the pleasant in their lives, even in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Ye daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights, who put ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? Jonathan, upon thy high places is slain. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Wonderful was thy love to me, passing the love of even women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you this morning asking you to give us a revelation of the subject matter today. Father, we're going to talk about uh, the gays and lesbians and gender non-conforming folks of the scriptures. And Lord, we know that many in the church today don't necessarily agree with this lifestyle. And Lord, I'll be honest with you, I've wasn't much on it there for a little bit till my own son David got back from art school. Brought home his own Jonathan. And, you know, it 
things like that happen. It, you know, it changes a man's mind about some things. But Lord, we just ask that we just cover this in a way that, uh, you know, that that edifies you, Lord, and lets those that, you know, prefer the company, their own gender and things, to know they too are welcome in the house and that their money spends just the same. And Lord, we just give you all the glory and the thanks and the praise and the honor for it this morning. And the church said, Amen. Now church, a lot of y'all remember from your biblical history that King David was, yeah, hell, I guess he's a little bit like me, a little bit of a, a little bit of a pussy hound of sorts and had several wives and concubines and you know, uh, drank to excess and on one occasion danced so hard that his robe came off and he showed the Lord his hog. But what a lot of you might not know was that the, the great King David had, uh, how should we say, was living sort of a, a double life. And that double life was lived with his friend, his special friend, Jonathan. And the scripture tells us that their souls were knitted together in a special covenant. And, you know, I'll just tell you, I love Brother Ray, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'd say our souls are knitted <laughs> together in a special covenant or nothing. But the Bible says in many parts, if you go look at the book of Romans, that Paul, like many of you that are walking out on us right now, I see, get back in them goddamn seats. If you look at what the Apostle Paul had to say in the book of Romans, he's addressing the Roman church and, and saying they have some funny ways in terms of their conceptions of what the kids are calling uh, heteronormativity. Uh, my daughter came to dinner the other night and talking about, uh, you know, that we was too heteronormative in our approach to things. And I said, hell, baby girl, we've had Presbyterians over for dinner on a number of occasions. Tell me that we're uh, not heteronormative and all that. How many of us know tonight, church, our Presbyterian brothers and sisters have mostly chosen an alternative lifestyle, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm here to tell you today why in the scriptures that that's totally fine. If you would, one more time, let's just go back to the scriptures. If you would, turn with me back to the book of Isaiah. We're going to start in chapter 56, verse 3. And the word says, Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. 
And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them the joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. So you see, folks, the point is, is when we're talking about our gay, lesbian, transgender brothers and sisters and those not conforming to one gender or the other, that not only is it acceptable and pleasing in the eyes of the Lord, but they downright thrive. If you look at what David and Jonathan the end of their story, they were held as great as lions and eagles in the scripture. And if you look at what we were just reading in the book of Isaiah about the eunuchs, the first, well not the first obviously, but some of the earlier mentions of um, gender non-conforming people. That the Lord welcomes them not only salvation but also says that again a memorial and a name far greater than the sons and daughters could give for the name I give them is an everlasting one and it will never disappear with that I just uh, welcome brother Ray back up to the stage thank you church as always you can bring your love offerings bring your tithes into the storehouse Logging on to www.patreon.com slash trillbillyworkersparty. And we just ask that give as the Lord would see you give. But also we have suggested donations of $69 and, you know, $6.90 if that's a little too rich for your blood. And $4.20 or $420. You know, we take it all here. Uh, we don't want to, certainly don't want to put a cap on your giving. As, uh, you know, just know that, that when you do bring those ties into the storehouse, it keeps us going here. And we just thank you. And with that, I welcome Brother Ray back to the stage. I know a lot of you aren't used to seeing synthesizers and drums up here. But trust me, it's the future. It's what the kids are into these days and we have to attract the youth to our congregation and we can't do it with just these regular guitars acoustic guitars we need big bands big synthesizers big drums big guitars big amps it's not gonna happen with just these little cajones and these little acoustic guitars. We need to attract the youth. And we need to do it now. That's why I've been lobbying Bishop Sexton over here. To expand the music ministry budget by at least another couple. 40 or 50 dollars. We're going to do something a little different tonight. Or this morning. Usually you're used to me getting up here with an acoustic guitar, maybe a harmonica, singing all the greatest Greenwich Village hits of 1962, except with Christian lyrics. But this week, 
we're opening our doors up to the youth of the world. And we're going to do a little song they like to do called Every Move I Make. Every move I make, I'm making you. Now, before we do it, though, I need to share a little bit of information about the song. There's a little part where we break the song down. We break it down. The kids love it when you break songs down. You gotta break it down. And we're gonna break this one down. Usually when we break this song down, when we're doing it, when we're performing it live at your local high school flagpole, rally around the flagpole ceremony at 7 a.m., wired off of coffee and sugar donuts in front of about 13 kids one of which is weirdly dressed like a goth I've never really understood that but um, usually when we perform this song we have a little breakdown and we do a little la 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 but you know what we're gonna do a specific coronavirus themed rendition this week and so when I tell you to break down I want you all to do a little cough 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 with me we're going to tell we're going to show the world and those germs that we're not scared of them and we're going to fill this holy place up with as many germs as we can and you know what I don't even think germs are real I was reading the other day that I, I that about germ theory they only they only decided germ theory was real like in the 1890s so you never know I mean it could just be really bad humors or smells that cause disease they don't know folks that's what science is science is is all a big guessing game it's just a faith just like anything else so just so think about it we're gonna fill this holy place up God's temple with as many germs and airborne pathogens you're probably wondering how I know that word as a man of God well I've read a book or two so we're gonna fill this place up so when I tell you to cough I'm gonna need all 24 or 25 of you to cough and fill this place with as many uh, flecks of spit and <laughs> um boogers and snot as you can alright we're gonna get the Holy Ghost up in this place and we're gonna prove that we're not scared of those germs every move I make every move I make
move I make, I'm making you. You make me move, Jesus, every breath I take, I'm taking you. Every step I slip, I'm taking you. You make me move, Jesus, every breath I take, I'm breathing you. Before we break it down, you ready? Great hymn this morning. Great hymnals. I just always love when you come do song ministry for us. I <laughs> was expecting a topical cover of Angel from Montgomery. <laughs> but, uh, not this week. Not this week. Not this week. Um, this week we're talking about, as Bishop Sexton gave us the topic in sermon this morning we're talking about gays and lesbians of the bible <laughs> the minors the gay of the minor of the bible um so where do you want to kick us off because i've got some great content for this topic but i you i think you might t- you know tell us a little bit about um today's sermon where what was the uh as best as you understand it. Again, I, I understand that you are not the. Well, this, you section. gotta understand this is all new to me. I, you know, I never met a gay person until I was thirty-one <laughs> years old. <laughs> but, um, well, I think it's interesting. You look at, you look at the scriptures, and what I was trying to hit at is that, like, God don't want to fuck the bag up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And what's interesting for every time somebody like in the scriptures, somebody like says something derogatory about, you know, 
gays or whatever. Like, in the handful of scriptures where God is actually directly involved in the, like, the commentary, uh-huh. he always, like, lifts the gays up to high heights <laughs> and trans people and all this sort of thing. And it's like, like, it says of, like, trans people and, and Samuel, uh, you know, that, 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 you know, he'll bestow upon them all these sorts of, like, gifts and recognition and everything else, you know, for, for coming into, uh, into covenant with him. And then, of course, in, in the book of Samuel, when he's talking about Jonathan and David's love affair, uh-huh. He says that even in death they couldn't be separated, and they were they were like as swift as eagles and as mighty as lions, or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like he just <laughs> just speaks about all the gays in glowing terms. <laughs> Imagine if your dick game was described like that: as swift as eagles, as mighty as lions. <laughs> God, It'd be amazing. I don't think that'll ever be said about me, but. I hope that I hope that some young writer will uh, eulogize me as such, whether I deserve it or not. Um. Well, so the the probably the best known, the most often quoted passage on homosexuality in the Bible is obviously Leviticus eighteen, right? Right. This is the one that all the. Um, all of the fundamentalists take their um, evidence from f- for uh, proof that God thought that homosexuality was punishable by death. You know, but go ahead. I was just going to say what's interesting about that is that they they don't in the Leviticus scripture what they don't take into consideration is that like this is. I mean, Christians rarely do this, but, like, the context is post-Babylonian exile, right? So, like, their numbers have dwindled and all this kind of stuff. And so, of course, in the context of that, homosexuality is going to be forbidden because you have to, like, make new tribe members. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know what I mean? So, I think that's why uh, it was specifically forbidden there, but, for example, sanctioned by God if you go to Samuel and look at, like, Jonathan and David's thing. Well, but don't you think that maybe the David thing was because he was, um, do you think that God just gave him a pass because... He's the apple of God's eye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, don't you, don't you think maybe it might be an example of God selectively being like, all right, David, I'll look the other way. Um, Possibly, because David did some heinous shit. Well, one, uh, you gotta understand about my man David, he was a sexual deviant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he had his he had his best friend that wasn't Jonathan murdered so he could fuck his wife. I mean, the man's <laughs> the man's depravity knew no bounds. Was he like um? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. He was what's like up, the Giacomo up, Casanova of, of the, the ancient world. Yeah, my man danced and showed his hog to God when his rope fell off. <laughs> I mean, just a reveler. I don't even know what to think about David. I would probably, I would probably both envy and hate David if he were alive today. I don't know who the modern day David would be. Maybe Justin Bieber or something. 
well, God needed him to beat the Philistines. Yeah, um, that's true. David and had so, a fucking career, didn't he? <laughs> he had a long career. I mean, and apparently Jesus was... The thing about Jesus, right, is that he was supposed to be the descendant of David, correct? Right, from the house of David, yeah. Um, so it could be that God was giving him a bit of a pass. Um, it was like the ancient world equivalent of a hood pass, but it was for being gay. Yeah, well... Or, or, well, I think the thing was is that I think Jonathan loved David, but I think David didn't love himself. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so David was a slave to his appetites. So you're saying that like Jonathan would go in for the kiss, and David would be like, "Get the fuck off me, bro!" Yeah, and like then David David was like the um, um, uh, the Aaron Hernandez character. You know what I mean? Did you watch uh, the documentary where it's like Aaron Hernandez, like supposedly, yeah. which you know I don't know. It might be poor form to out somebody posthumously. But, like, the implication for that documentary was that, like, Aaron Hernandez was this hyper-masculine guy that, you know, liked, really liked men or whatever, but was like, no, nah, man, you know, I hate fags and all that kind of stuff. And, like, you know, you know, you know the trope. You've seen this in movies where the, <laughs> the, the bi-curious guy makes out the man and then like pushes him down and calls him a slur yes 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 <laughs> that was probably david david's probably like having all this like you know gay sex with jonathan and then would just like you know call him a little you know yes i i, I know what you're saying well the so the again though going back to leviticus leviticus 18 is a very fascinating chapter it's a very short one um, but it's got some hilarious stuff in it, like you know, like uh, the nakedness of thy father's wife shall not be uncovered, the nakedness of thy father or the nakedness of thy mother shall not sh- shalt thou not uncover. Um, you know, it talks about like not fucking your brother's your father's brother. Um, <laughs> and if it talks about not fucking your your uh, mother's sister. Um, it's basically saying any sexual act that doesn't produce offspring is forbidden in this context. Well, I found an interesting article in the New York Times, um, an op-ed by uh, Iden Dershowitz, Dr. Dershowitz, the good doctor. Alan the Dershowitz. Good, the good Dershowitz, not the bad one. Okay. It's called The Secret History of Leviticus. Um, and he talks about how Outright prohibitions on sex between men was very uncommon in the ancient world. Um, you know, homosexuality was pretty common. In, well, I mean, uh, they call it Greek love, you know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, but he thinks that this this prohibition was added later. Like, this was an editorial intervention maybe a few centuries after the fact. Um. And, oh, so, uh, went, so there was a little editing, still in the ancient world, but far enough out from the original text that nobody would have been the wiser. Correct. Yeah. Um, says there's good evidence that an earlier ver- earlier version of the laws in Leviticus 18 permitted sex between men, 
In addition to having the prohibition against same-sex relations added to it, the earlier text, I believe, was revised in an attempt to obscure any implication that same-sex relations had once been permissible. Um, Let me ask so- you a question. Let me ask you a question. It feels like the sort of hyper-masculine stuff is like sort of part and parcel of what Christianity is today. If it would have been established from the get-go as a gay religion, <laughs> how much different do you think the world and the church today would be? I mean, it probably was. I mean, look, um, the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples, like, come on. You're going to tell me that... Twelve men roaming the desert for... Twelve men roaming the desert, half covered in clothes, looking hot, you know, like... Are you going to tell me that that was and a strictly... Not a mention of any of them. Like, I know a, a couple of them were married, I guess, but, like, not a mention of any of them sort of... Uh, they just weren't interested in sex. You know what I mean? Yeah, so... Like, even I think... Well, I mean, I know the Apostle Paul wasn't one of the Twelve Disciples, but even he says something like... He was kind of indifferent or ambivalent about the idea of marriage. He said that, you know, if you want to, great. If not, great. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. So one could argue they were uh, dedicated to the life of the spirit, but and one could also argue that maybe they were just content with being boys on the road. <laughs> Sharing a 63 pan head. <laughs> that... The, 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 it always cracks me up the subject of that Uncle Don Biker story. Like, the main dude's name was Dallas Divine. Is, is that not the gayest fucking name you've ever heard? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, like, even, I mean, even homo, homosexuality is even common in, like, Hell's Angels groups and stuff. Like, and that's all the disciples were, really. But the- you know, it's, it's funny. If you ever read uh, Hunter Thompson's Hell's Angels, which in my mind is about the only Hunter Thompson worth reading, uh, <laughs> they talk about how like the angels were doing this like they were going to these parties at like Ken Casey's house and like they would just do like debauch shit like fucking like they would just like start like sucking each other's dicks in front of everybody and it was like that they were they framed it as just trying to get a rise out of everybody but come on <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, try, try, they were trying to signal they were anti-socials, but come on. About 30, 40 guys riding motorcycles in leather and denim? Come on. Well, ha- having having been involved in uh, acts that aren't quite heterosexual as an attempt to get a rise out of people, I can tell you that that's just an excuse to be gay. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it, bro. It's cool, man. Um, let's see. Um, so, Dr. Dershowitz here. Let's get back to Dr. Dershowitz here. Um, he talks about like how most of Leviticus 18 is a list of incest laws, which um, is pretty funny to think about people writing this, either in the ancient world or a few centuries after, which would also still be in the ancient world. Um it's funny to think about sitting people sitting down and being like, "All right, let's think of every possible incestual scenario, and we have to ban it." <laughs> 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 yeah, 
You know what I mean? So, f- uh, thou shalt not fuck your mother's third cousin twice removed. <laughs> his aunt's uh, nephew. Exactly. <laughs> um, so he talks about... He says, most of the incest laws are presented in a straightforward manner, but two are not. The first exception is the nakedness of your father and the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother, you shall not uncover her nakedness. He says, at first this verse appears to outlaw sex between a man and either of his parents. However, the italicized explanation, the second part of that, the the part that says she is your mother, you shall not uncover her nakedness, the italicized explanation suggests that the law actually addresses only one parent, the mother. It is difficult to reconcile the two parts of this sentence. The same thing happens again a few verses later. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. Simple enough, right? The following gloss, however, the second part of the verse, will give you whiplash. You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. By the time you finish reading this, a prohibition against intercourse between a man and his paternal uncle has transformed into a law about sex between a man and that uncle's wife. Um, so I think what he's saying here is that it was originally written um, to sort of hide the tracks of the person originally writing it. So I, and, and so I can't tell here, but it seems that he's suggesting that not only was sex between two men in the ancient world prohibited or per- permitted, it may have also been true that sex between a man and his dad and a man and his uncle was also true uh, permitted. <laughs> man, nobody's ever had a normal sexual relationship to their uncle. There's always a layer of weirdness there. Yeah, no comment on that one. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's a, uh, it's um, it's interesting, right? It's uh, it's interesting. Like, um, gay love in the ancient world was was pretty common. Yeah, and it's uh, well, you know, it's funny that like another one of the scriptures in the Bible or chapters in the Bible is the first chapter in Romans where Paul's addressing the Roman. Oh, yeah, church. yeah, yeah. And they're kind of like, you know, like a lot of people use that to say that homosexuality is forbidden or whatever, but like the way it reads in context, it's like, uh, I hadn't seen you and Tanya for a while, and I come up uh, on your porch and then just start cutting gay jokes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just just, right. some, just some boys' humor, you know what I mean? Right, right. More so than like a stern rebuke of like, the gay love or whatever. So you think that Paul's cracking a joke? Well, it's, I, I, I forget the scripture, but it's all, but he's like, basically just kind of like, like <laughs> <laughs> making fun of the Romans for like, you know, butt sex. <laughs> <laughs> it's more gallows humor than like, oh, you deviant, repent ye deviants. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, that's, that's well, I'm trying to find the verse you're talking about. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Um, well, you know, 
I guess a lot of these laws were probably written as forms of social control. Um, but <laughs> what gave you that idea? Disrespect, disobedient to parents. <laughs> <laughs> They really, they really, they really cuffed us with that one. <laughs> right, right. Parents can do all kinds of horrible shit to you, but you can't can't say anything back to them. Right, right. <clears throat> but um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess that was kind of like. So you gotta, I guess you gotta take that in context too. That Paul was essentially trying to build the church at that point, and so any organizer knows that you need a an enemy, and uh, sort of like how we point out the diseased habits of the rich yeah maybe paul was pointing out the diseased habits of the romans and saying you know uh, these are your enemies uh let's all band together and you know what it worked in the long run um (laughs) still going (laughs) it's still going (laughs) so i don't know i don't know dr dershowitz says um a law declaring that homosexual incest is pro- prohibited could reasonably be taken to indicate that non-incestuous homosexual intercourse is permitted. A lawmaker is unlikely to specify that murdering one's father is against the law if there is already a blanket injunction against murder. By the same token, it's not necessary to stipulate that sex between two specific men is forbidden if a categorical prohibition against sex between men is already on the books. It seems that with the later introduction in Leviticus of a law banning all male homosexual intercourse, it became expedient to bring the earlier material up to date by doing away with two now superfluous injunctions against homosexual incest. Injunctions that made sense when sex between men was otherwise allowed. Wait a second. Is he saying that it's alright to sleep with your uncle, but... (laughs) If it's if you take it outside the family, it's not okay. Or did I hear that wrong? No, I think he's saying that like some later writer or scholar who was very homosexual and may have been trying to repress some of his own um, feelings uh, by getting out in front of it by trying to cover it up. He might have made it a little too obvious that he was trying to cover it up. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's actually what he's saying, but that's my interpretation of it. Like, I don't can't really understand why else it would make those kind of injunctions against, you know, the things that you do. Well, let uh, me also say too that, like, also like when we do these gymnastics with the scripture, trying to like justify what it says about like, actually, this is not what it's talking about. I guess just stupid. I mean, the Bible has plenty of immoral, like horrible things that it sort of uh, permits or, you know, normalizes or whatever. But in this particular case, there's much evidence to say that God was not only like, not only permitted it, in some cases he downright rewarded it. (laughs) Good on you, David. (laughs) Yeah, good on you, Dave. Uh yeah, so it's like also it's like we, because you know when when you do that thing where you're trying to like use the scriptures as justifications for whatever, you start from this vantage point that the scriptures are the more are the absolute moral authority, and I don't think we should look at it that way. Like even if you are a Christian, I think you should be able to celebrate like the best of your tradition and like cast out like the stuff that's obviously ugly and teaches hate and whatever. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. So, anyway. Well, but what do you do instead then? Like, how do you live 
this is the thing. Like, that's a fine line to walk. It's like, how do you live a moral life if, um... I mean, is that the is that if the answer? If, if the source of your hope is flawed in its morality, yeah. Do you just pick and choose what you like, or do you interpret it how you want to interpret it? Or, well, I mean, I think, I mean, I think now we kind of, I mean, well, I mean, I won't say now. I mean, you're talking about we have protesters hoarding the Capitol steps to, you know, so they can go buy fertilizer again put people in harm's way so I, and and i i I'll venture to say a majority of those people are packing the churches every sunday so i don't know if it's like you know yeah i don't know it's a good question i mean i don't i don't know either i mean the way that i always squared this circle was um if you believe it um this is the reason why i didn't fit in with the Southern Baptist Church, which is what I was raised in. Because the search, Southern Baptist Church, punk rock baby. <laughs> I was punk baby. <laughs> <laughs> the Southern Baptist Church, <clears throat> one of its core tenets is that the Bible is infallible. That it was <clears throat> written um, at the time by the people living in it, and that it is uh, in a one-to-one account of all the things that it describes. From angel visitations to miracles to everything, and um, and so the way and again this is why I didn't really fit in that well, but I always viewed it as just like anything else, you tell a story, and three or four weeks later the story is going to be completely different. That there's no possible way this document has survived for two thousand plus years without without some. Additions and subtractions. <laughs> additions and subtractions, right. Um, yeah. uh, well, so, I mean, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. I, I, I also want to talk about a little bit, too, about how, like, there's this conception that obviously wasn't shared in the ancient world in terms of, like, gay love, but this conception that, like, a lot of, a lot of Scripture you see that people point to and say, oh, this is like, this is why homosexuality is wrong. Like, look at like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah is like the most obvious one. Right. Is like, it's not gay love that God is like condemning there. It is, it's sexual assault. They, they raped the angels that showed up in Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's why it was destroyed. It wasn't like consensual, like same sex, sex you know what i mean it yeah was, i mean if it, you assault god's angels he's gonna he's gonna wipe your city out bro I, that's all there is to there's, it. there's just no two ways about that if but. you assault his boys yeah well i mean so i don't know i you, you can't take any if you're a believing person if you're a christian or even if you're just re, uh, religious in general um like you kind of have to take the text in the scriptures with a grain of salt, and um, that's the that's the problem with uh, organized religion, though. I guess um, I haven't used that term in a long time. Organized religion, um, because that's, that's one of those that's one of those smart guy phrases. <laughs> yeah, smart guys, smart guys, guys that think they're insanely smart, but not. <laughs> Exactly. Man, I just, you know, I I just don't really believe in organized religion. Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, but that's the thing. It's like, generally, this is the contradiction of Protestantism, is that generally you want to interpret it on your own and sort of come to a synthesis of your own spiritual needs and um, your own moral guidance in life. And that can lend itself to a kind of individualism. But, or, but religion needs organization to be effective in the world. It can't be just an individual interpretation of something. And so that's why Protestantism is just shattered into a million different little um, factions and sects because it's, uh, it can be interpreted in any kind of way that you want to. And um, I don't know. I guess that's a good thing partially, and it's a bad thing partially. Um, but, you know, personally, I think the Muslims pretty much got it right. You know, they got the Quran, and then they've got the... They've got that other book. I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> I think you're mixing the Muslims and the Latter-day Saints up, but that's okay. <laughs> Both very strong religions and good choices if you wanted to go that route. No, there's like a book of like, there's like a book of um, spiritual hadiths or something like that. What the fuck is it called? Yeah, it's called the Book of Mormon. <laughs> it's a hadith yeah it's the what's what muslims believe to be a record of the words actions and the silent approval of the islamic prophet muhammad right, Muhammad. Yeah. and then you've got the quran like dog that's a lot of scripture that's a lot of text that's a lot of text that's again it's why it's the adult religion yeah um but I don't know. If you're really looking for conformity, though, and strict discipline, just go Catholicism. You can't go wrong there. Catholicism is kind of tight. I mean, other than the child uh, sex thing. But, um, you know, you got a bunch of different saints. It's polytheism, basically. That's pretty tight. Yeah, it's Christianity for polytheists. And I, I, there's something about that I kind of like. I kind of like the saints. Yeah. What, who's yeah. your favorite of the saints? Um... I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, Saint Bernard, the dog. <laughs> hey, Bernie lost already, man. <laughs> Just let it go. Um, I no. like I like Saint Christopher mostly because the Vatican pulled his credentials, uh, which I about, guess makes him not a saint anymore. But what about Eve Saint Laurent? Laurent. Eve Saint Laurent. Eve Saint Laurent. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Uh, I'm a YSL man too, but uh, I don't think that's part of the Catholic thing. Although those robes are those those robes hit different. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're clearly at the bottom of this content. Well, so um, so let's wrap things up. Uh, at the end of the last service, I said I was going to be giving you all godly music um, for an ungodly world. Um, a Christian music guide to secular music that will help you maintain um, piety and religious discipline. Are you going to do an equivalent chart? If I should. You like Mitski, listen to this. I should do an, a whole new equivalent chart. The thing is, is I my knowledge ends at around two thousand and four or three. So, um. But anywhere between like ninety two and two thousand three, I've got like an encyclopedic uh, knowledge. 
Um, so this week, I had I had this one set aside specifically for this week, but I dug into it a little bit and realized that the underlying premise was incorrect. So the song I wanted to do this week was All Star United. Do you remember that band? All Star United. I, I missed All Star United, I think. You would recognize them if you heard them, um, but they actually had a, a small crossover hit because I think their song was featured on, like, a preview for the OC or something. Remember that show, the OC? Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe it was, maybe it was another show. They had... It was, okay, uh, All-Star United songs have been licensed in recent years for use on ABC's The Evidence, the movie Saved, the trailer for Superbad, and multiple CBS network imaging campaigns. Um, so I, I picked this one because I always heard when they were big. They were big in like 98, around 97, 98, 2000. I always heard that their keyboardist had to quit because he was gay. Yeah. And so I was going to pick this song for that reason. Just as a shout-out to him. Like, hell yeah. Uh, live your truth, man. You dodged a bullet, my man. Yeah. But I dug into it last night, and that's not why he left the band. He left the band in 99, and that's not why he left the band. Was he gay, though? Uh, no. Um, oh. Apparently not. Apparently the opposite. He left the band because he got his girlfriend pregnant. Oh. <laughs> Still, man, live your truth. I mean, could you imagine having to quit your CCM band because... Um, you got your girlfriend pregnant. Like that's the scandal that it's does. It's literally you the only thing that can put you out of business in that world. <laughs> well, the being gay thing probably too. Yes, but only that. Right, right. Only those two. Well, so this would be, um, I think the biggest one-to-one comparison with this band is that band Fastball. You know, they had that. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. The, uh, or like um, Everclear, that would also be another band that they kind of sound like. Matt, like all to me, all CCM bands sound like those like '90s bands, like that, like Lit. Yeah, that yeah. those kinds of bands. Well, they were trying to. That was the thing. Um, they were they were and it and it's like that Sonic Flood um, song from last week. They were explicitly trying to sound like secular songs to give you an alternative. Yeah. A a fantasy world. Um, and so some of them succeeded. Some of them did great. Some of them were masters. Like DC Talk. DC Talk was the uncontested masters of taking secular music and turning it into very catchy Christian pop. Um... But uh, All Star United was a very brief blip on the on the scene, so we're gonna hear s- the song Smash Hit from them. They also kind of sound like Smash Mouth in a way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> a little too on the nose on that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well we're gonna go out to All Star United Smash Hit. Go with God this week. Um, contribute to the Tribulus Patreon tithing plates. At patreon.com slash Trebly Workers Party. Uh, we'll go with God this week. We'll be praying for you, everybody. We'll see you next time.
reputation, a clever market plan. He didn't understand. That's all it really takes. He could have played for higher stakes now. Somehow we go It's a snap.